I'm Hillary. And I'm Sandra. And welcome to the top 69 most memorable moments of 2020 at the Quick and the Dirty podcast. You know, this year was tough for a lot of people and a lot of people didn't leave their homes. But we had some great conversations and learned just how dirty you people are. Just so dirty. The Quick and the Dirty Podcast with Hillary Welch and Sandra Plagakis. Here we are, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we're like, okay, well, the quick and the dirty must go on. And we did learn that people are still having sex. People are dirtier than ever. You know, we learned that the virtual sex party has become a thing. Just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean that people are stopping getting it on. In fact, they might be getting it on more because we're all stupid bored. Yeah, and 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 breaking social distancing rules clearly, right? <laughs> I just, I still can't get over that they were trying to convince us that we could date with masks on or fuck with masks on. Or that, glory holes for that matter. Oh, there were so many dirty moments of 2020. <laughs> you know, you know, when a government suggests glory holes, the world has truly changed. <laughs> Truly. And by the way, can we put that on our list for 2021 must have interviews? People who fuck through a glory hole. I just I don't even know if I'm prepared for that. But don't would you ever want to get, you know, fucked through a glory hole? Uh, No. Oh, okay. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Me neither. (laughs) Okay. So the entire point of this episode is to look back on 2020 and remember the good moments because uh, sometimes they seem so few and far between, but there were a lot. We had a lot of great moments. We had a lot of memorable moments and we had a lot of sweet moments. Like, do you remember Madeline, our world-class luxury companion? That was actually a much sweeter interview than we thought it would be. Right. Because when you think about a call girl, you often think that they are just in it for the money. They don't really care about their clients. But as Madeline explains, that wasn't really the case. I would have a difficult time having sex with someone that I found repulsive. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you have, you know, met a gentleman, he wanted sexy time with you, and you just couldn't do it? Um, no. Uh, I kind of fake it until you, what's the expression? You fake it until you make it. Well, (laughs) yeah, well, I've been married for 20, 20 years. I know what that's like. Oh, no. I I think at that point. uh, I think technically you're faking it. That's right. Yeah, ultimately, yes, I agree. Uh, But in general, no, the guys are average looking and a lot of attractive, um, but average looking. Um, even the older gentlemen I meet, so I've met some 70 year old, 75, 80, 80, the oldest was 82. <laughs> so, um, but as long as they were respectful, um, you know, we, like I, I have no problems and, uh, we get along. So no, I'm not that, I don't get really repulsed. Um, I have one, gen- oh, honestly, <laughs> my turn to be honest, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, there's one gentleman in my life so I won't get to my, uh, that I see on a regular basis. And so, so actually now I'm kind of helping him to improve on his physique. So, so you know, <laughs> to be less, maybe more attractive to, you know, because I, I mean, uh, he's longing for, you know, he's lonely and longing for companionship. And eventually I would love for him to, to find someone. So I think I'm kind of helping him to 
So you can get them off your hands? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. She's quite generous. She's quite generous. Uh, he, he, you know, uh, no, yeah, so I get a lot of gifts, and uh, he's very kind, and um, it's just... Yeah. Uh, but eventually, would... you'd like him to be somebody else's problem. <laughs> yeah, well... Eventual, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Can we, yeah? What about the eighty-two-year-old Madeline? What are you going to do with that? No, that was a lot. That was uh, many years ago in Toronto. Uh, maybe that was maybe like um, six, seven years ago. Uh, met him a two, three, two, a few times, and he was um, he was a meteorologist. 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 Yeah. Got it. Right. <laughs> so, and, we probably uh, know him. We're going to Google old meteorologists right now. (laughs) So we were meeting, and poor guy, he he was so kind, and um, he was, you know, of course he would have, by, you know, that age he has his shoes down there, so he, you know, he was, he was on Viagra when he would um, see me, and um, another time he was on Cialis, and he is so cute, so Getting an erection. You're just uh, the sweetest, <laughs> Madeline. Oh my God. Oh, uh, well, I feel for these people. I mean, they, they, they you know, uh, you know, they have feelings, and you know, and um, so he was, you know, he would be kissing, you know, and I'm trying to seduce him, and he's starting to get, you know, get hard, and and like semi, and it's you know, barely getting an erection, you know, just slightly, and um, <laughs> so there's two things. So I don't know if. For the men that might be listening, um, even though you're, you know, that at that age and you're barely getting an erection, you still can have an orgasm. <laughs> so, uh, so orally, I was able to, you know, make him come, you know. Uh, so, uh, and so then what you're I saying think, is yeah. at that age, they can still have fun, but they're no good to us. Yes. Well, I know. <laughs> yes, correct. I get. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but oh. but I think even though our, at, at that age, oh, come on, like at that age, uh, I think a lot of women there's no no longer an interest. Uh, so I guess it's equal, <laughs> it evens out. Well, when but, I'm eighty, but that's true. At eighty-two, the fact that he's still trying to get laid, good for him. Yeah, uh huh, uh huh. And and then so at the second time when we he, we saw each other, and so that time he was on like Cialis. And he was like on, on laying on his back, and I was, you know, dressing, giving him affection, and you know, trying to, you know, get an erection and help him. And um, he he was like barely, barely heart like. You could just in, within the the center, could could feel a little like being a little more stiff. And and he says, and you know what he said? He says, "Am I am I good enough to?" to be inside you like can it would it work <laughs> uh, like and I, I was oh yeah he was like because I, I would love to be inside you and I said oh I am so sorry <laughs> I don't think so why do you just lie I mean, and say yes and pretend uh, say yeah you're inside me right now <laughs> well no of course you would know so, uh, uh, you never so. know Can I just tell you, Hills, one of my favorite interviews, and I think definitely one of the most powerful interviews we had, was with the great Buck Angel, the sex educator, motivational speaker, porn star, star, and of course, Trampa. Remember that? Yeah, I can't believe you just glossed over the fact that Buck Angel makes trans porn and posts it online. (laughs) And it's not like a light kind of thing. This stuff is heavy. But his work as a sex educator is really inspirational. And I will never forget the moment that that conversation changed from something super light and your son Olson joined us on the show. 
I want to introduce you to my son Olson, who got out of bed. <laughs> oh, you're so handsome! Hi. <laughs> I, I call him a trans boy, but he's going to be 19. He's a man. I just yeah. can't accept the fact that I'm a man. Or you have a man now. He's a man. Nice to meet you, my friend. Meet you too. I'm going to get you a buck off for Christmas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming, it's dude. Stocking it's stocking stuffer. <laughs> <laughs> it, this is going to be in your stocking, dude. <laughs> I'm explaining it all to your mom right now. Don't worry. He did a visual demonstration. I think that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Right on. You know, but I want to tell you, dude, you have an awesome mom. You are so blessed, my friend, and you, she is amazing. And honestly, really, you know it. I don't need to tell you. You're in an awesome space. So I really want to tell you that because I talk to a lot of parents and I talk to a, a lot of kids struggling and a lot of parents struggling. But to see this right here in front of my eyes is everything for me. So I just want to tell you that, kiddo. You, you, you are in an awesome space. Thank you. Sandra, Yay, that's so beautiful. That is okay. fucking beautiful. <laughs> she does this when she wants me to leave. <laughs> well, thank you, Buck. That, that means beautiful. so much. Yeah, oh. it, means, it means everything to me and my work to see parents connect to their children because that's the ultimate for me. The kids are the future. If I don't leave, I want to leave everything I built to these kids. And if they're not fucking focused i'm not going to be leaving anything for them and i built a lot so i want these kids to be strong and able to take it on and you're building a kid and a son who will be able to take the future of this of this of this community to a better level you know i i often say if i could do things again i wish i would have handled myself differently at the start of his transition because yeah. i didn't know what to do it was my yeah. husband who said, get them on the hormone blockers now. What are you yeah. waiting for? Yeah. And I, I just, I didn't know. I was afraid to do anything medically because I, I was afraid to, you know, cause more harm. But it was, yeah, it was my husband. I, I credit him with actually saying, what the fuck? Wow. Like, like, is there any question in your mind that he's a boy? I'm like, none. And he's like, then? Wow. I mean, that's, I have to tell you though, it's usually the other way around. The parents I speak to, it's usually the dad who's, and the mom is like, yeah. And so you, wow, that's really shocking. But at the same time, I got to tell you, thank you for being and taking the time to understand before jumping into it. Hormone blockers are not a joke and they're not for everybody. And I think that they give them out like candy. And I think that's actually detrimental to the, forwardness of this community we can't just be slinging that stuff it's not for everyone I remember a few months before Olson had come out to me, uh, I had read a story about a mother in somewhere in Canada, and she had an eight-year-old daughter who uh -huh. had come out and uh, female to male. Uh -huh. uh, no, I'm sorry. I apologize. It was male to female. Uh -huh. And uh, uh, the mom had put the child on hormone blockers, and it made national news. And I read the story. Obviously, I was... I'm a little interested in learning more. And I got very judgy because I had, I obviously wasn't educated. And I thought, what the fuck? Eight years old? Oh my God, that's scary. And then I remember I have a girlfriend and she is, and I have to give her all the credit. Her name, her name is Amanda Jete Knox. And she wrote the book, Love Lives Here. Yeah. Uh, her, she has, she lives in Ottawa here and she's a friend of mine. She, I met her at the Transparent Support Group, oh, wow. <laughs> Small World. Uh, she said to me when I told her that story after our, both of our children transitioned together, she said, Sandra, when did you know that you were a girl? I said, I've always known. 
And she said, there's your answer. Right on. (laughs) Okay. If anything, if anything, the Quick and the Dirty podcast can be very educational and not even for the listeners, for us. For example, we had somebody on this year who I actually, this was one of my favorite interviews. I didn't expect it to be as educational. This was Jeff the Cuckold. Remember him? Oh, yeah. And the fact that you couldn't stop saying cuckold. <laughs> well, cuckold. you know, I, I, it was one of those in cuckold. It was one of the few interviews that we did where I really went in completely unprepared because I didn't want to go in with any preconceived notions. And we had found Jeff on FetLife. So you never know. It's a crapshoot when you find like a total stranger online, right? You don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, but he was fantastic. And he was really good at explaining what it is to be a cuckold, what it is to want to watch your partner get fucked by somebody else. When you responded to my open-ended question about cuckolding on, on a page, I uh, first of all, most people on FetLife just basically show their genitals. Like that is mostly what you see. <laughs> I have seen more, more, more hard dicks on FetLife than I've probably seen in my entire life. Um, and Jeff's laughing. Why don't you tell everybody what your profile pic is, chuckling yeah, man? Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's, um, it's one of my favorite things in the world, and I think it kind of goes along with cuckolding as well. Um, it's uh, me giving a woman oral. It's close up. I'm on my knees. Yes, you are. And uh, <laughs> my head is between her legs, and I am loving every second of it. Yes, you are. And your eyes are barred out to obviously protect you because it's not like – it's almost like this secret community, isn't it? Because most people don't show their faces. Most people are professionals and they have jobs. You don't want your bosses yeah. on there. Well, and, and some yeah. asshole is going to come along and try to use it against you, right? So you just have to protect yourself. That's right. Absolutely. So do you find it like um, – like a secret that you have, just not just being on FetLife, but the cuckold thing too, but I mean, this whole world of yours, does it feel like secret and exciting to you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it does to me. When I go on FetLife, and I don't, again, Jeff, I don't do anything. I have a grainy picture of me smiling. This is as crazy as my my. My profile picture is. It's just a grainy picture. Yes. And uh, with my shiny earrings. That's it. Sandy Beach, if you want to say hello to me on the bot, if you're (laughs) listening to this, come and find me. Uh, I don't even know if I have any friends. What? I said it still turned me on, though. Seriously? Oh, Oh, Jeff. Oh, do we have a love? But it wasn't my genitalia, Jeff. (laughs) You know, I am not a fan of just genitalia in your face either i mean i mean you are because that's what your picture is but okay <laughs> no, no. i mean yeah as a picture no i love i love genitalia in my face but <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> oh jeff we're i am enjoying jeff the cuckold <laughs> okay can i can i ask you about a humiliation because sure. the, the little I know, and I'm, you're really giving me a lot of insight into uh, cuckolding. I'm starting to understand the psychology. I didn't, I tried not to read too much about it because again, I, I, you know, I've been married for a hundred years and I know, I don't know shit about shit, except this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> like this podcast has opened my eyes to a world of people having really good and fun, adventurous sex. And I need to live vicariously through you in the one Google search I did on cuckolding the word humiliation came up multiple times and you mentioned the word humiliation. 
Tell me more uh-huh. about that and why humiliation plays into it. Sure, sure. Um, first of all, the phrase, I don't know shit about shit, should probably be on a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> just, I, mean, I, think I, would, I think everybody can relate to that. <laughs> there's a money-making opportunity. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, humiliation, yeah, I, I think a big part of, to me, I think a big part of the fantasy of cuckolding is humiliation. I think that's when people fantasize about cuckolding. And I think that some people role play humiliation. Um, But I don't know that there's ever, I mean, to me, I don't know that I could have a lasting relationship with, it was all about humiliation. So I think to me, it's more of a role play scenario. And I do that very um, lightly. Like I love to hear about, um, maybe how good the guy is and how much he's making her come and maybe that he's better than me. Um, maybe that he's, uh, got a bigger dick than me. Um, you know, I, I like, um, one, one girl that I dated for a while, we used to like after, um, she would have sex with the guy and he would leave. She would basically sit on my face again, the genitalia in the face. And I would, I would lick her and she would tell me how good it was and how well he fucked her and things of that nature. Um, so yeah, depending on the woman I'm with though, sometimes there's no humiliation at all, not, not even a role play scenario. And then that was kind of the most extreme that I've gotten. Um, but again, I think other people take it to even greater extremes. For sure. Is it hotter? Is the humiliation factor hotter if you've picked the guy or is it like lesser. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that. Um, yeah, I, I think it probably is a little bit hotter if I pick the guy. Yeah. You know what? We have learned so much on the Quick and the Dirty podcast ourselves, even some new terminology. And I'm reminded of Billy Presida, the comedian who joined us to talk about how he is not a man whore. No, and he also taught us the expression dicking down, which I will uh, heretofore try to use as much as possible in my regular life. <laughs> it's just hey, I need so a good, good. dicking down. Right? <laughs> But, you know, he was sweet. I, I really liked him because, you know, he's the host of the Man Whore podcast. And you're thinking, well, he's a man whore. He is actually the opposite of a man whore or he doesn't want to be a man whore. And I, I liked him so much because he is not what you think he is. Well, I mean, he is a man whore. He gets a blowjob during his radio show. At the same time, <laughs> at the same time, everybody always wants a little bit more. Because I'm very boyfriendy. Like, if you're sleeping with me on the regular, like, I'm not just coming over, dicking you down and leaving. Like, I like cuddling. I like making out. I like talking. I'll text you somewhat frequently throughout a week. Um, you know, I, I like to like the, I, call me Call me weird. Call me strange. I like to like the people that I fuck. I don't I know. know. It's I, so old school. I like to enjoy their company. Hey, Billy, did you so, just say... So I think a lot of women... Billy, can I just ask yeah. you when you just talked... Did you just say, I'm going to come over to your house and dicking you, like, I'll dick you down? Is that an expression? No, I said, uh, well, dick you down is an expression, but I said, I'm not going <laughs> to. You're not going to do that. No, but I'm just and, excited that you, that, that that's yeah. even on the table, a dicking down. <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> I've been out of the game a long time. What can I tell you? 
<laughs> You're teaching us some new terminology. Yeah. We've been out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and so just it was a lot of um, like I think a lot of women would realize like, oh, I'm getting a lot of the boyfriend vibes that I enjoy, the sense of security and respect and all that that I like in a romantic relationship. Um, but sometimes women would like be just out of a long-term relationship and they want to try casual sex. So I was like a safe transition. Some women, I was a good placeholder until they found the guy that they would become more serious with, you know, um, because for me, casual sex, like, I don't know, the friends with benefit thing, I like the friends part too. And I think that was a shock to some people. Um, and I think that made it really easy to pinch it, pigeonhole me in a, in a spot. Well, I think it's really interesting because when you talk about this woman that you actually had feelings for and you wanted to date, oh, it would not love with her. it would not be out of the ordinary for a woman to hear from a guy, oh, well, I just want to do that, but I don't want anything. And you'd be like, oh, okay, that's pretty normal. But it is odd to hear it from the female side. Yep. Uh, it's kind of a typical gender role reversal. And I think that's why so many women have connected with my show so much because especially in those earlier in the first few years of the show, um, where it was really heavy on the, you know, relationship post-mortems, um, I think they heard a lot of themselves in that. And I think they were also relieved to hear that a man can feel that way. Um, I've heard from other dudes who were like, yeah, dude, me too. But, you know, toxic masculinity, uh, toxic masculinity can't really share that. We're not, like, allowed as men to share being hurt or to be sad or to cry and I think some dudes were able to relate to that, but women relate hard because that's the stereotype that dudes just want to get it in and that women want to lock it down. And that's not at all the case. It's almost as if, hear me out for a second, individual people are individual people. <laughs> and that we shouldn't, you know, assume things based on gender or anything else like that. One of the great things about what we do is uh, we're in radio. Typically, I do mornings in Ottawa and Hillary does mornings in London and Tilsonburg. And what's great is that we are surrounded by so many talented people who we've invited over the years to be on the podcast. And this year we invited a standout, Chris Biggs of the Biggs and Bar Show. And he is on our sister station here in Ottawa, Shea 106. And he is fucking hilarious. I love that guy. Well, this is what happens when you put people in front of a mic, no holds bar, no questions asked, and let them say whatever they want. <laughs> the conversation was supposed to be about uh, the correlation between music and having sex, like music to fuck by. But things shifted into a chat about just how much power women actually have in a relationship. Early in relationships, when you actually like each other, it's yeah. very romantic and loving. And then... Uh, you know, sometimes it's not at all. It's let's break some furniture. So, I mean, it, it really depends. <laughs> right. The tune's got to match the zone, right? So, Well, we'd been dating for two months. Oh, so you still liked each other. Yeah. I, and yeah. But we hadn't had sex. Like, I, it was the first time I dated, dated a guy before sleeping with him. Like, I actually got to know him. Wow. And I waited because I liked him so much. I didn't want him to have sex with me and then, and like, it. and go, like, fuck, she's a shitty lady. Oh, I thought you were talking about the other way around. No, oh. So I waited until, so it was like, a, it was a big moment for us. And yeah. then got, was it a tender moment or was it, was it like, a, okay, we got to do this moment? It was tender. It was tender. Oh, I'm embarrassed to say how tender it was. But I remember like, afterwards. You made I was, love. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs>
Oh my god, uh, we made love. <laughs> yeah, we made love. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Can I just say that if I was ever like single now and I dated a guy and he ever said, "Take me to the room. I want to make love to you." I'd dump him on the spot. I on the spot I'd laugh. Now, why don't you fuck me? <laughs> yeah. When we were thinking about doing this podcast, I was thinking about songs that you would want to like bang to. And the idea of John Mayer's Your Body is a Wonderland uh. came into my head and then I immediately vomited. Like that's, <laughs> I'm too old for that shit. I am, I am impressed with, uh, it seems to be a, an ongoing I don't know if it's a new or women are just being more honest with how they feel about the mushy side of it all. Because, I mean, there are sensitive and tender moments sometimes, but the over-romanticism of that action, it seems to be dying, which is great. And now we can just have fun because it's a ridiculous, it's a fun time and it should be, the cheese factor is vanishing, at least from the conversations I've had. From, no, I mean, I'm also getting older and none of us care at our age about anything. It's just like, yeah, when can I go to sleep and eat a sandwich or whatever? You know what I mean? So that, 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 that factors in. But uh, Amen. yeah, like if a woman said to me, make love to me, I'd probably be like, peace. <laughs> you know? yeah. All right. You enjoy that. I'll, uh, I gotta go watch HBO or something. Do you think that, um, like you say, that we've romanticized sex and so on, do you feel like women have just reclaimed their sexuality? I don't know if they, well, I wasn't around when they gave it up, so I don't know if they <laughs> if they re- reclaimed it or just kind of f- finding it. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, there were a couple movements, you know, throughout time where they've, at least the recorded history, where in certain parts of the world where they did, you know, step forward and kind of take it back. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's theirs to take. The, the power women have in that department, if they were even... 50% more confident. I mean, the amount of, like, men are idiots, so, for the most part. So, I True. mean, uh, uh, if if they, if they knew the power they had, some do, and some use it well, and some use it for good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, it's it's nice to see. I mean, I don't, I've never thought of a woman who has a lot of partners or anything like that as a slut or anything. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's stupid. Like, have fun. It's, it's such a stupid little thing. You yeah. Put, you know, if there wasn't disease or pregnancy attached to it, we'd be doing it walking down the street. We'd be like, hey, nice fit. Da, da, da. And we'd go on your way. One of my favorite interviews by far this year was the porn legend Ginger Lynn. Not because of the conversation, because it, it, it went kind of the way I thought it would, but she's so sweet. Did you pick that up about her? Yeah, there's something just intrinsically good about her. And that's not something you necessarily associate with a porn star, but she just wants to make everybody feel success, feel loved, feel good. And she's just a good time girl. Yeah, she is. And you know, it was sweet too when she talked about her father being her shining light, her bright light in the business. Whereas, you know, she started off and he obviously didn't like the fact his daughter was a was a porn star, but by the end of it, he became her biggest supporter and her biggest fan. But then I remember that really awkward moment that we had with her when we started talking about Ron Jeremy. Yeah, she speaks really highly of the porn industry and always talks about it in a positive way and that it was such a great experience. But her experience with Ron Jeremy, you can tell that there are some heavy scars there. What had happened was my dad went down to the local bookstore, put the little coin in the slot, and there I was on film having sex. 
in doggy position oh, with Jesus. Ron Jeremy. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Thinking of my father. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a my father, he tried to purchase all of the copies of the film, and the guy at the store said, to me, are you kidding? No way. So my father proceeded to beat him up. Oh, my God. Uh, the police, my dad was a cop. The police came. Oh, they you buried the him. lead, Ginger oh, Lynn. No. Your dad was a cop? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. They arrested my father. He went to jail. He called my grandmother, who went down and bailed him out. He took my grandmother back to the bookstore, made her watch. The police no. came again. This time, my grandfather showed up, and he's a cop as well. <laughs> So they were able to explain the situation to the officers and say, you know what, this is what he's just found out his daughter's blah, blah, blah. And uh, that's when I got the phone call after Dad and Graham had just watched me being boned by Ron Jeremy, which is a disgusting image for anyone to see. You said you got to choose who you found. That was uh, my. What happened was when I didn't, I decided to do my first film, and I committed to it. And I had all of these rules. I had script approval, cast approval, so much per scene. I was getting what the stars made, and I'd never made a movie, so I got cold feet before we started filming. And I went to my agent. I said, "What if I get there and I can't fuck? What if I?" He said, "All right, we're going to do a, a practice run. You're going to do a couple of loops." Now, loops were eight millimeter films with no sound. So these are the two. So the first day, I didn't choose my men. And the first person that showed up was Tom Byron. And Tom Byron was so sweet and so young and so beautiful. And we had the best sex scene ever. And then Ronnie walked in, and I was revolted. It was just <laughs> disgusting. He was fat. He was hairy. He smelled oh. bad. And this was in his prime, and it was still <laughs> disgusting. And so I went to the director. I went. But, to, uh, what would it be like for your dad to see you uh, fuck somebody who is literally, like, more disgusting and older than he it, is it, at the time? It was just bad. It was wrong. So what I did with, with my director was I said, you know what? If I look at this man, I'm not going to be able to do the scene. <laughs> so we did the entire scene doggy style. <laughs> the entire doggy style. It's what married yes, women been have doing been doing for, for years. <laughs> Kiss me, baby. Now nah, flip me over, please. <laughs> that's Let right. me at least pretend. So, Ginger, was that the only else? time that you and Ron had oh, sex? That's what, I did. that's what I did afterwards. It was okay. It was totally somebody else. Oh my! So, was that the only time you had sex with Ron Jeremy? Unfortunately not. No, I, uh, uh, no it, it, it's a long story. I'll, I'll just say that I, I had sex with him two more times on film, but on my 21st birthday, on uh, he raped me during the filming of my first movie. Fuck. You know, I, 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 I don't really want to, I don't want to go into the Ronnie thing anymore. It, okay. It's something that I've dealt with, put down, let go, and moved on from, so I'd rather just, you know, state that he's a pig, and I'm glad he's where he is, and he deserves to be there. Asked and answered. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Ginger Lynn. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Where do we go from there? That is, so it's a wrap on 2020, girl. I can't believe it. Well. Wow.
I can't believe it's over. Can we get a hallelujah? Oh, I need a dickin' down. <laughs> oh, Sandra, it's been so fun talking with our guests this year and just like learning so much about the world of sex and even just the world of people. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing our podcast has done for us. We've met some really great people. We've had some great conversations. I feel like it's brought you and I closer together as well. So I'm not mad about that. Yeah, and like it's just so much fun. And we want to thank you, Sandra and I want to thank you for spending some time with us this year. And we hope that you enjoyed these conversations as much as we did. And we hope that you enjoy us getting a good dicking down in 2021. Because that's all we all want. I mean, we can hope for it. There's no guarantees. <laughs> we love you. Happy New Year. 2020 can fuck off now. <laughs>